Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Hey all you cool cats and kittens out there, it's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Yeah, that's right. Tiger King. Have you watched it yet? Because it is a trip. Um, and I actually got the, the chance to join our, our good friends Bird and Carr from Friends Against Government over on their podcast uh, to discuss the show because Tiger King over on Netflix, which is the number one show in the United States right now, um, it is a wild show. It is um, it, it's it, it's curious. It's interesting. It's like a train wreck, and you don't want to look away. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, fun. It, 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 <laughs> Fun? I don't even know if that's the right word, but, you know, regardless, I get to have a great chance uh, digging into that with my friends, uh, Burden Car over at Friends Against Government. But you guys are here today as I continue my presidential interview series, and uh, today I am joined by Libertarian presidential candidate and former U.S. Senator and Governor of the great state of Rhode Island, Lincoln Chafee. Now, Governor Chafee joins the Brian Nichols Show as uh, one of the newer entrants into the Libertarian uh, presidential uh, candidacy. Now, uh, we had folks like Jacob Hornberger and Joe Jorgensen, Serene Ardilianu, Adam Kokesh, Arvin Vora, and others like Kim Ruff who have joined the show. Um, and, and you know, joining today, having Lincoln Chafee on the show, I think is a great chance to uh, to get to know him more as a person because uh, Governor Chafee is relatively new to the party, um, you know, having started here just in the past year or so. Uh, and Governor Chafee uh, previously served both as a Republican and a Democrat um, in the U.S. Senate, but also as a governor. And he uh, most recently ran in politics as the Democratic uh, primary contender against Hillary Clinton. It was uh, Lincoln Chafee, uh, Jim Webb, Bernie Sanders, Martin O'Malley, and uh, the inevitable nominee, uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, so with that being said, uh, Governor Chafee joins me in the show today to, number one, discuss uh, what are his main issues being that as a libertarian presidential candidate. Um, number two, who would he have as his uh, VP candidate? And then also uh, we dig into what is easily the, the number one topic that's on everybody's mind, and that is coronavirus and the new uh, two point, what, $2.6 trillion um, spending package that was just recently passed by Congress and signed into law uh, by the Trump administration. And really what would be uh, his approach as a libertarian presidential um, figure to you know be in response to the coronavirus epidemic and you know to use his powers of the presidency or would he use this power of the presidency to help uh, cut a lot of the regulation that's in the way from the businesses you have to listen to find out so without further ado on to the show governor lincoln chafee here on the brian nichols show Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And definitely um, during this, man, trying time, dare I say, in American history, uh, you know, here we are recording on uh, March 27th in the thick of the coronavirus outbreak here in the United States. And, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a, a time right now that everybody is kind of looking around, looking for answers. And definitely we'll dig into that as we uh, go through the show. But the reason I want to have you on the show to start off is um, you have been you know, very uh, active in politics, both as a Republican, as a Democrat, and now as a Libertarian. And number one, welcome to the Libertarian Party. We're, we're happy to have you. Um, but I would love the chance to um, to have you introduce yourself to my audience. My audience is a diverse audience. I have people from the left, from the right, center, Libertarian, conservative, 
democratic socialists, and all those in between. So let's start off here, Governor Chafee. Um, if you would, introduce yourself to the audience, and let's kind of discuss your political journey as you found yourself here as a libertarian in 2020. One aspect of my biography that, that not too many people know about is that after college, I went to work on the horse racetrack uh, as a farrier, as a blacksmith, uh, shoeing racehorses. And one of my horses set the track record, so I must have been doing something right. Uh, and <laughs> after I got off the racetrack, I did get into politics. And there's a lot of similarities between working on the back end of a horse and uh, politics. Uh, <laughs> and I started at the local level. Uh, and uh, became a councilman, a beat an incumbent uh, to get elected. I was a Republican in a very, very democratic city and a very democratic state. And I was able to beat that incumbent and get elected to the city council and then become mayor and then serve four terms as mayor of uh, the second largest city in Rhode Island. And then I went to the United States Senate. I was appointed for a year and then served uh, one six-year term, so seven years in all, one year under Bill Clinton then six years under uh, President Bush and Vice President Cheney. I always uh, say both of them because uh, Cheney had so much control over that administration. Mm. And then, Brian, uh, I left the Senate and got elected as an independent. Uh, so I know what it's like uh, to get elected outside of the two-party system. I got elected governor of Rhode Island as their first independent governor ever in their long history. Uh, and I did become a Democrat, and I tried for the presidential nomination in 2016 because I didn't think Hillary Clinton was a good candidate. Uh, I knew there was room for somebody to get some traction against her. Uh, it turned out I was right. There was room for somebody to get traction, but it just wasn't me. It was Bernie Sanders uh, back in 2016. And I was also right that she was not a good candidate because she ended up, in my view, losing to the most unelectable man in American history. But she did that. She did that impossible and lost uh, that race. And so when I moved to Wyoming, my family wanted to move to Wyoming. Uh, and uh, have a new adventure. I went to register and I looked up the Libertarian Party and I saw anti-war, anti-deficit, protection of civil liberties, anti-torture, against capital punishment, for gay rights. There's so much uh, overlap in what I have done in my 30-year political career. I was happy to register as a Libertarian. And some people asked me to seek the nomination for president and I'm involved in that. I know I'm new to the party, but uh, I think there's a lot of overlap on the issues that I've stood up for for many, many years and decades, in, in fact. And and you're very um, similar in terms of our, our former nominees being that of, of Governor Bill Weld and Governor uh, Gary Johnson, respectively, from uh, their states of Massachusetts and New Mexico. And, um, you know, you, it's, it's funny, you kind of have come into the party as another one of those governors. And, and I, one of the things that I've heard people say is, you know, we, we don't need another, you know, Republican or Democrat as the, the face of the party. We need a real libertarian. And that's, you know, having libertarian candidates on my show. That's one thing I've, I've seemed to get a lot of people saying, you know, whether it was looking at Congressman Justin Amash seeking the LP nomination or, or you know, you joining the party and being a former member of the Republican and Democratic parties, respectively. Um, kind of what's your position, Governor Chafee, in terms of looking at yourself versus a lot of the more traditional libertarian party presidential candidates what would you say is the differentiator, number one, that would make you the, the right face for the Libertarian Party? Um, but number two, I guess, you know, how would you convey libertarian principles and libertarian messaging to an audience out there that in a time with, with all that's going on in the world, the coronavirus, they desperately need a, a message of liberty? Well, I've been to about 15 state conventions uh, uh, in this pursuit of the nomination all over the country from both coasts and all over down Alabama, all over. And so I'm hearing exactly what you're saying is that 
Uh, we want a true libertarian to be our candidate. And, and uh, so I, I understand that. I've been hearing it over and over again, that, that exact message. But on the other hand, the Libertarian Party is a political party. It's not the Libertarian Institute or a policy uh, body. It, it's a political body. And anytime you're involved in politics, you, you want to win. And uh, I think it's important to have new people to come in, whether it's Governor Johnson from New Mexico or Governor Weld that uh, is short-lived, but uh, that have experience getting elected. I, I think that's the best way to bring the libertarian message uh, to the American people. And for me, I, I would focus on three issues, and I have been. Uh, that's anti-war, and they all, uh, they all come together, anti-deficit and protection of our constitutional civil liberties. And they, they all come together because these wars are so expensive uh, and the veterans that come home and need to and deserve the care that, that uh, is expensive also. And that's what drives up the deficit. And now we're at 23 trillion and added another two or who knows what it's going to be on top of that uh, just in the last few hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then anytime we're in crisis, it seems like our civil liberties get compromised, whether it's a wartime for security or uh, now in this health crisis. Uh, they're, they're saying we're going to uh, stop here in Rhode Island, stop New Yorkers from coming across the border. The state police is going to stop people just with a New York license plate. I mean, that raises constitutional issues. Mm -hmm. But uh, I know libertarians have many, many policy issues that they care deeply about. But those right now, I think, are the most important, not only for the party. that The party stood for, for decades on anti-war, anti-deficit for constitutional liberties. This is true libertarianism. Uh, but I think it also resonates with the American people at large. And 2020 could be a, a tremendous opportunity for the Libertarian Party on those three issues. And talking about the others against the drug war, against capital punishment, others also, uh, Second Amendment rights uh, that uh, resonate with the American people in this time of crisis. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you led with the number one issue being that of anti-war. And that's something I actually want to to dig in a little bit. Now, um, there's a lot of libertarians who will definitely focus on your vote for the Patriot Act and say you're instantly disqualified. But I don't think a lot of libertarians uh, know that you were actually the only Republican senator to vote against the war in Iraq um, at the time that that vote was being taken place. I think it was in 2006 or so. Um, so, you know, I guess that is one thing that is I think needs uh, rather needs to be promoted more is that I think you're leading with easily the biggest issue and that is the anti-war um, message and it seems like in my perspective the left and the right have really gone out of their way to stop talking about the war issue um, you know we have the the left who they basically were itching for a war with Iran or or with uh, Russia and and vice versa with the Trump administration so there really isn't a voice right now on the national stage that is a true anti-war voice. I mean, really the last voice that was on a national platform right now was that of Tulsi Gabbard, who um, has since endorsed Joe Biden. So um, I guess with that anti-war message, would that be really the main focus of a Lincoln Chafee um, presidential campaign? Or uh, would, would you kind of try to, I guess, make it so it's, it's a three-pronged approach for anti-war, anti-deficit, and then, uh, of course, respecting the civil liberties? Yes, the vote was in uh, 2002, and you're right, I was the only Republican, and also there were a majority of Democrats that voted for the Iraq War. I mean, there was this big push of weapons of mass destruction that uh, Saddam Hussein was a threat. There were, there were only 23 of us out of 100 uh, that saw through the lies and voted no, and I'm very proud of that vote. And yes, they attacked me on other votes that I might have taken, but that is the granddaddy of them all because it's cost us over 4,000 American lives. It's cost a whole generation of veterans 
who have post-traumatic stress syndrome and all the issues that come uh, from being in combat. And I know having come, grown up in the Vietnam era, what it's like to have uh, veterans come home and need to get the care they deserve. And, uh, and so that, that, that's the big vote, the vote against the war. Uh, so much has changed. Uh, $6 trillion it cost us. That's the start of the deficits. We've, we've been in Afghanistan for almost 20 years now, in Iraq for uh, almost 20 years. That's expensive. And so that ties into the unpreparedness in which this health crisis, the coronavirus, uh, because we don't have the resources, uh, we should be, have been prepared with resources and and surpluses, because we know these things are going to happen, whether it's Katrina or, or Corona. And uh, to be $23 trillion in debt as we face this crisis is, is just boneheaded and, and wrong. And that's the message I want to bring. Uh, it's a libertarian message, anti-war, against deficits, uh, and for our constitutional liberties. I think they all come together. Uh, but it starts with being anti-war and, and saving all those trillions of dollars. This was an unnecessary war. No one would argue with that. It, it, it's even counterproductive to our long-term interests, as well as costing us all these trillions of dollars. And you, and you mentioned the, the money that could have been saved and that could have been used during a time of national crisis, i.e. what we're experiencing right now with that of the coronavirus. And in, in response to the coronavirus, we're seeing a lot of states and cities and localities taking quite draconian measures just to try and contain the virus. And, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing here, not only in the city of Philadelphia, but in the state of Pennsylvania, um, you know, quite restrictive uh, <laughs> restrictive policies in place, um, you know, closing, quote unquote, non-essential businesses or non-life-sustaining businesses. And I think right now, we as libertarians have a very great opportunity to speak to people and say, listen, this is what's being promoted by the, you know, the left, the right the establishment, whatever you want to say, here's what a libertarian message would look like to deal with a coronavirus pandemic. So as the, the face of the Libertarian Party, Governor Chafee, how would you promote a libertarian response to the coronavirus? Well, I'm not a health expert. Uh, and so I, I, I defer to those uh, that are recommending the steps to be taken, all the social distancing and flattening the, uh, flattening the, 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 the surge. And that all makes sense to me. Uh, that's what their CDC and what these people are saying. But the, the main thing as a libertarian we should have been prepared for is having the resources because this is going to be expensive. And don't forget, right now, even before Corona, we're paying $400 billion of interest on our debt every year. And that's at low interest rates. I mean, this mm. thing could, the interest that we're going to be paying now, if the interest rates go up and as the economy gets shaky and, uh, it's just going to balloon. It's going to be higher than our defense budget. Just the interest on the debt because we're unprepared. And, uh, and we made mistakes by getting into these unnecessary wars. So I know that's looking back, but I would argue that looking forward, we need someone of that philosophy that's not going to be making those mistakes and has a record of not making those expensive mistakes uh, to guide us into the future as we try and crawl out of this $30 trillion hole that we're getting ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Well, and as we record today, um, you know, President Trump just signed into a, into effect uh, the the new $2.2 trillion spending bill, the stimulus bill, to try and, and quote-unquote restart the economy, which is, is still mind-blowing to me that you have an economy that really has, has been forced to a halt, and this has never been experienced in American history ever, which is just wild to think about. But I, the reason I was asking about the coronavirus solutions is because right now the, the solution that has been 
recommended by the Republican and Democratic establishments is that of a essentially a, a check to the American public for $1,200 per person and $500 per uh, child. And then it's it's a bunch of corporate um, welfare that's handed out to a variety of these large businesses. Now, Congressman Thomas Massey was raked over the, the coals today by um, President Trump, which is just mind-blowing. Now, Thomas, uh, C- Congressman Massey's been on my show, um, good friend of the show, as has uh, Congressman Amash, and both have taken um, stands against Trump in certain areas, tr- uh, with Amash looking at the impeachment discussion, and then obviously Massey today. And uh, Massey was he was asking the the representatives uh, to actually stand by their constitutional oath and come in and do a voice vote to the quite literally the largest spending bill in American history. And and Trump went after him for that. So right now we're having the left and the right promoting their their vision of a solution. And that is $2.2 trillion in added debt and, and adding to the deficit. So I guess what would be the libertarian answer? Yes, looking back saying, get out of these, these you know pointless foreign wars. But for the people who are saying, I need help now. What would be that help now? Would it be cutting regulation? Would it be trying to scale things back and like the free market, um, you know, get get the opportunity? What would be the vision for a, a Governor Chafee as President Chafee as a libertarian? Well, it certainly wouldn't be corporate welfare. And uh, that's what happened in the bailout after the crash of 08. And those companies just uh, went and did stock buybacks and other unethical uh, practices with the money that we, the taxpayers, gave them. And uh, so... That was a failure after all that stimulus that we poured into the economy uh, back after the crash of 08 did not help the average person. The middle class still struggled through the boom of the stock market. And and so I think the lessons that we should have been learning uh, from 08 have not been learned this time around. Here we go again. And the the checks that are going to be written, I just compared to what these corporations are getting, it's just a drop in the bucket. But each citizen is going to be getting uh, they're losing their jobs. And even in the crash of 08, people are losing their houses. They couldn't pay their property tax. They were losing them to foreclosure. Uh, and and that, that's what we should really be as libertarians, uh, fending off uh, the government taking people's houses because they can't pay their property taxes in time of uh, duress. So let's look at President Trump. Now, obviously, the libertarian candidate will have a unique opportunity, and that is being a third voice that's an alternative to the left-right paradigm. Um, But looking at President Trump, I I dare say there's a lot that I would argue that he has done bad, but I'd also say there are a few things that he has done good. So with that being said, um, Governor Chafee, what would be some things from a a President Trump administration that you would look back as uh, we, you know, reflect in the past four years under President Trump and say, you know, even though there are quite a few things that we disagree on, here are some things I can agree with the president on. Um, I'm just just curious to hear what your perspective is there. Well, it seemed like uh, for a while we were going to go into Venezuela for some reason, and uh, uh, we did not. And so I see that as a positive, that the whole fight between Maduro and, uh, I forget his name, Guadeo, but the two of them. Guaido or something. Yes, yes. And they both were claiming the presidency and uh, Trump was uh, saber rattling for a while, but he, he's calmed that down. Then it happened again with Iran. Uh, the killing of General Suleimani uh, seemed to be just an escalation, an unnecessary escalation in the Middle East. Uh, but again, uh, we, we resolved that somehow without uh, further conflict. And so those are two positives uh, from my view. Uh, we mm-hmm. get into these quagmires over and over again in Vietnam and in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Uh, and we just can't get out of them, it seems. A loss of right. life and, and, and loss of treasury and loss of American credibility. Uh, and, and so I'll give them credit for at least not 
escalating further in, in Venezuela and Iran. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, to the contrary, what would be, um, you say that the, the top things that you would say Trump has done that have been negative um, from a, you know, a pro-liberty stance? Um, you know, as libertarians, obviously, it's easier for us because we can you know, pick, pinpoint pretty much anything the government touches. But let's say the, the, the biggest issues that you've seen with the uh, President Trump um, presidency. I think the tariff issue, uh, picking fights with all these countries on tariffs, uh, uh, I, 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 I'm a free trader and always have been. And it's, it's more of just this chaos, Brian. It, you can't even put your finger on it. And people just come and go. We had a secretary of state that went, came and go. Uh, it, it's, his office is a revolving door. Uh, any, the, the, the secretary of the Navy that was wanted to uh, uh, have the, some justice when, even when our own military are murdering other uh, foreigners, uh, it's got to be some form of order in the military. And uh, so the Secretary of Navy was fired. It just seems like just constant chaos with this administration. And uh, I know his base has always been solid through all this, but now with his handling of this corona, uh, he just kind of punted it over to uh, Vice President Pence for a while and didn't have any grip on the mag- magnitude and enormity of what we're dealing with here. Uh, Mike, you, you deal with it. Uh, and, and so it seems like irresponsible uh, uh, criticism of those that are trying to do the right thing. Massey, you mentioned Massey. We should encourage dialogue uh, at this time when $2.2 trillion of our money is being spent. Say, right. what's there? What you have to say, Congressman? I'm all, I'm all ears. Instead, it's, it's, it, uh, it takes so much energy in, in uh, insults when we should be listening. Oh, we should. We should absolutely be listening. And I think right now it's it's becoming more and more apparent, especially with the, the way that a lot of these localities have responded to the coronavirus. A lot of people starting to ask questions, and I think they're starting to finally ask the right questions. Why, you know, why is government allowed to tell me I can't leave my house? Like, why, why are you know, they putting in these um, these rules and regulations in place um, that now we're we're starting to roll back, and we're seeing that right now in times of crisis, it's actually less regulation that's making things better. So I'm I'm starting to get some hope that people are starting to say like, hey, maybe. This you know excessive red tape and this you know nonstop bureaucratic government that we've established maybe it's not the best you know answer to our our very real solutions and you know we need to look no further. I think it was today it just came out um, that the uh, the gentleman Dyson who uh, owns Dyson Industries he just created a brand new respirator um, within I think it was like twenty hours that he started working on a prototype and they're going to be mass producing them in the next you know couple of months and like it's it's little things like that that the market has is it, it's answering the call when it's been needed and it's it's so obvious right now how slow government is in response to something like the coronavirus so um anyways with all that being discussed um let's kind of fast forward as we look towards the election in 2020 because obviously things right now are still so up in the air but people are are still looking to again some sense of normalcy and hopefully it's going to be coming up in the next month two months three months sometime soon fingers crossed but as we get towards that time, Governor Chafee, um, let's say, you know, you, you do end up securing the nomination to be the, uh, the Libertarian presidential candidate. And, and you do have the chance now to stand up on stage and likely be the alternative between that of President Trump and, and likely, the likely nominee being that of former Vice President Joe Biden. What would be your, um, your pitch to the American people on that debate stage as being the, uh, the third true alternative voice um, to a lot of people who are looking for that, that different perspective in America right now? I think the unpreparedness fiscally for this crisis we're in, 
Uh, we had $23 trillion of debt, a trillion dollars a year, just record deficits being piled up by both the Joe Bidens and the Donald Trumps of the world. And th there has to be a better way because we have to be prepared. We know these things are going to happen. Katrina or, or coronavirus, they're going to happen. You have to be prepared. And the biggest mistake that, get, that drove up these trillion dollar deficits is the wars. And they were unnecessary. And Joe Biden voted for it. He was a cheerleader for the Iraq war all the way. And Donald Trump has done nothing to get us out of Iran or, or, or excuse me, Iraq or Afghanistan. And uh, those are the main issues. And at the same time, our constitutional liberties always get threatened when there's some kind of crisis. So uh, what the Libertarian Party, what I would bring to that stage is banging them over the head on the deficit and being unprepared for coronavirus fiscally uh, so that we can afford this $2.2 trillion that they just put on. That's probably not going to be enough. Uh, and uh, to help the, the middle class and the, uh, help the average Joe get back on their feet and, and save their houses. Uh, we saw that in the crash of 08. So that, that would be the message. I'd stand on the stage and beat them over uh, the deficits and the interest that we're paying on the debt, unnecessary interest on the debt that they're both responsible for. It's it's a, a much needed voice, and I think there are a lot of Americans out there who would who would resonate to that. So uh, let's uh, let's now rewind a little bit, and let's let's actually get you to be the nominee. So let's start with your pitch to libertarian um, delegates. So obviously, the Libertarian Party, um, much like the traditional two parties, you have a delegate system, and those delegates uh, ultimately end up deciding who the uh, the face of the uh, the pre or who the face of the party will be as they go towards the uh, the convention. So let's start here um, first and foremost. When you're looking to the delegates as you know one of a, a, a multitude of candidates who have, are seeking the nomination, I've had you know from uh, Jacob Hornberger on the show, Joe Jorgensen, um, I've had Serene Ardelianu, um, Adam Kokish, and now you, good sir. So, what would be the differentiator that you'd say as a Governor Lincoln Chafee president uh, presidential campaign? Why would you be the best face for the Libertarian Party versus those other candidates who are seeking the nomination? It's all about viability. And anytime you're applying for a job, the, uh, the employer looks at your resume. And when you look at your, my resume, I'm one of five Americans. I think there's only five Americans alive today that was a, has been a mayor, a United States senator, and a governor. There's very few of us that have that experience at the local, state, hmm. and federal level. And uh, I, what I would bring to the people you mentioned that have been on your show, they just haven't been elected to anything. They're all good people. Uh, but if you want a candidate that's going to get out there and get on the stage with the Joe Bidens and the Donald Trumps and could if and could walk into the Oval Office and do the job, uh, I'm that candidate. And that's the pitch I've been making at these state conventions I've been going to, uh, that I know I'm new to the party. But what I do bring is a resume and experience of uh, being on the main stage with the main candidates. And 2020 is a tremendous opportunity. Donald Trump is not doing a good job with the coronavirus. I think everybody would agree with that. He tried to hand it off to the vice president. And Joe Biden's a, a man from yesteryear. Uh, it's a great opportunity for libertarians. Let's not, let's not, let's not lose this opportunity to, to really make some inroads in 2020. So, um, like like uh, Governor Gary Johnson last election cycle, um, he had a, a favorite that he wanted to pick to be his vice presidential um, candidate, and it ended up um, newcomer to the party at the time was uh, that of Vice President Bill Weld, former I'm sorry I'm sorry Vice Presidential Candidate Bill Weld, former governor from Massachusetts, um, and he he. he 
very sneakily beat um, Larry Sharp, who was a you know a party um, a very very active libertarian, um, both within his libertarian bona fides, but also helping grow the party, especially in New York State with his gubernatorial run um, back here in 2018. So I, I'm not sure if you've gotten that far, and I don't want to put the, the cart before the horse. But Governor Chafee, if you were to look back right now at the the folks within the Libertarian Party, or you know just the, the folks who have been um, tossing their hat in the ring to explore options um, you know, as they seek elected office, is there anybody that has you know piqued your interest as a potential um, VP candidate that you would want to uh, to possibly support as they seek uh, the the support of the delegates as we go towards the convention in Austin? Well, I'm always open minded and. Uh, uh, they're all good people. I've been to all these conventions and, and, and we go see each other on a Saturday at one convention and then a Sunday at another one, uh, 500 miles away and on the stage together at forums together. And I joined their company. Uh, and so open to any idea. I think the choice of vice president is important as you go forward. Uh, libertarians did the best uh, they have ever done in 2016 because they had two former governors on the ticket. I think that is important. Earlier, you mentioned that Tulsi Gabbard endorsed Joe Biden. That's unfortunate. She would have been a great uh, ticket to have uh, anti-war and uh, and a woman. And there's so, so many positive young. And uh, she did a great job on the debates and has a lot of libertarian leaning positions. Uh, but she, she decided to go in a different direction. But certainly it'd be great to have some star power. Jesse Ventura, I don't know who uh, <laughs> that... Uh, we're both former independent governors, uh, uh, have some star power that I do think that's important. So we're going to do a bat signal to uh, Jesse Ventura and while we're at it, we'll just go ahead and maybe we'll get Vince Vaughn, Drew Carey and uh, Penn Jillette. We'll have them round out the, uh, the cabinet there for Lincoln Chafee White House. Well, uh, I'm named after Abraham Lincoln. And of course he was famous for putting together his team of rivals. And, uh, <laughs> and I have been a Democrat and independent and Republican. So I would be able to draw from, uh, a, a wide pool, uh, if, if if ever lucky enough to walk into the Oval Office. Well, you know that that's actually a, a very interesting um, thought. I never really considered that. So let's kind of discuss this because it's one thing a lot of libertarians, um, presidential candidates, kind of get stuck with. It's because nobody really takes them seriously, so they don't think about having you know what would happen if you got elected and you had to put together I don't know a cabinet. So let's say Governor Chafee, who would be one person from the the Democratic Party and one person from the Republican Party, but then also just to, to throw it out there as well, one person from the Libertarian active uh, activism, you know, Libertarian uh, infrastructure. It doesn't have to be necessarily somebody in the Libertarian Party, but a noted Libertarian figure that you would also um, maybe consider for your cabinet. Well, Brian, the, the, that's the most important decisions you make uh, after getting elected. And I know having been a mayor and I came in as mayor, uh, from the other part, a party that hadn't been in office for 32 years. And, and so I had to draw from all parties in order to get anything done in the city. The public works director was a, a, a big person from the other party, but I, I wanted to get the streets plowed and I wanted the trash to get picked up. And then as governor, putting together a team in time of crisis, I was elected in 2010, right in the middle of the depression. Uh, I needed to get things done. I was an independent. Uh, so I have experience uh, of reaching out as to specific names. I, I, uh, anybody that has shown the courage to run for office, I always admire that. Uh, anybody that had the courage to vote against the war in Iraq, I, I'm definitely going to admire that no matter who they are uh, or to oppose the war, even if they weren't in office to uh, just oppose it. And against deficits, uh, a record of protecting our civil liberties. Uh, they, these are the people I'd want to attract. So um, as we wrap up the show, um, I'm, I'm curious too, 
a lot of my my guests in the show when they start to dabble into libertarianism, they they have some particular thinkers or such that or or a magazine that they read or or a book they read that kind of helped them on their journey to libertarianism. Now I meant, I know you mentioned when you moved to Wyoming, you 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 looked into the Libertarian Party and it, it caught your interest, especially with that being of anti-war as one of their main principles. Um, but I guess is there anybody in particular as you look back at you know libertarian um, history, uh, any any thinkers or any or any any organizations that really stand out as um, helping kind of craft where you are today in terms of your uh, your political views? Well, it didn't overlap with Senator Alan Simpson, and he technically wasn't a libertarian, but he sure had a lot of libertarian uh, policies, and uh, he was a senator from Wyoming. Uh, he was the first person that I ever uh, saw that would uh, sometimes go against the, the some of the people in his own state just on libertarian issues. Uh, even though he was a Republican. And uh, so Alan Simpson certainly was one that first opened my eyes to that there's a different way of doing things. And he came from Wyoming where I'm from now. So that that's one. Okay. The reason I ask is that, like, I mean, it's funny. You'll hear so many different answers to that, you know, whether it's Ron Paul or, you know, for example, you know, uh, Neil Peart from Rush. I mean, you can have so many different ways that people hear the libertarian messaging. And uh, it's always fascinating to hear what that is. So a uh, very, very interesting story there, uh, Governor Chafee. So let's, let's wrap up here. Um, obviously you're, you're vying to be the, the libertarian um, candidate for president of the United States. Um, so to those delegates out there, let's, um you know, kind of give your elevator pitch. Why should Governor Chafee be, um you know, a, a number one, a presidential candidate, uh, Chafee, but then uh, to the voters, a president Chafee. So the floor is yours, sir. 2020 is a tremendous year of opportunity for the Libertarian Party. Donald Trump is not handling the coronavirus well. The economy is in trouble. Where deficits are soaring. We've just added another $2.2 trillion to an already high deficit. And the Democrats have are going to nominate Joe Biden as their candidate. It's a tremendous opportunity for libertarians to put forward their best effort to attract votes and be a voice on the stage. And I believe I bring the experience, though I'm one of few Americans that served as a mayor, a senator, U.S. senator, and a governor. That's, that's, a, that's a tremendous opportunity for libertarians. And I share so many of the libertarian philosophies down the list, I've mentioned anti-war, anti-deficit, for constitutional liberties, against the death penalty, against torture, for gay rights, for free trade. On it goes. There's a lot of overlap, even though I haven't only been in the party uh, for just about a year. But I'm out there ready to fight for these issues and uh, bring the libertarian message to the American people. All right, sir. Well, listen, it was, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and uh, definitely uh, I'll be sure to include all the links to uh, your, your website, but also to your social media, so folks who are interested can go ahead and uh, learn more about Governor Chafee's uh, candidacy to be Libertarian, a presidential candidate for President of the United States. So with that being said, Governor Chafee, thank, thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. Stay safe, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you for the good questions. All right, folks, so that's going to wrap up my conversation with Governor Lincoln Chafee, who is seeking to be the uh, presidential nominee for the Libertarian Party. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And if you did, do me a favor, uh, please be sure to share with family and friends. Uh, this is one of those episodes where I think it's a great chance for people to get to, uh, number one, learn more about the Libertarian Party because, uh, you know, maybe Governor Chafee is a name that is a little bit familiar to them um, versus some of the maybe the other Libertarian uh, candidates who are out there. And at the very least, it'll be a nice, uh, you know, step in, in the right direction for 
for them, you know, putting their toe into the water. Um, but with that being said, also, it was a, it was a blast having Governor Chafee on the show, and I wanted to extend a, a big thank you to uh, to him and his campaign staff uh, for getting his uh, him on the show today. Um, but guys, with that being said, if, if you enjoyed the show, like I said, not only would I like it to uh, to share with family and friends, but also, uh, go ahead and give me a follow over on social media, at B Nichols Liberty, uh, both on Twitter and on Facebook, or you can go ahead and uh, send me uh, an email. It's brian at briannicholsshow.com. And as always, folks, you can do that one-time PayPal donation. Link is in the show notes. And uh, as, a, as a you know a big thank you, I wanted to say you know all the support we've received from you guys. Uh, you know going over to our Patreon, the Weird Libertarians big uh, big page has been you know number one, so so encouraging. Uh, but it shows that you guys really do appreciate what we're doing here at not only the Brian Nichols Show but other shows at Weird Libertarians. Um, not only like the Weird Libertarians big channel, but also other shows like Gingerarchy. Um, you know, we have our our, our good friend uh, Remzo Martinez with his brand new show that's going to be coming out. Uh, on the run with Remzo uh, W. Martinez sometime this summer. Um, you have shows like the Boss Hog of Liberty, and that, again, is all supported uh, by folks like you. Uh, so thank you, again, for all you do, but also thank you for supporting uh, Libertarian Podcasting in general. We have a lot of great uh, great shows that are that are out there that you can, guys can go listen to, uh, be it the Lions of Liberty Network. They have a lot of great shows over there. Um, you are friends over at Johnny Rocket, uh, but also shows like Fritz Cast. Um, you know, Fritz is he's easily one of my, my favorite friends um, that I've gotten to know over the past uh, few years during this, this Libertarian Podcast podcasting venture um other shows like you know caleb friends um with the liberty um shows like jason stapleton's wealth powered influence dave smith's part of the problem uh tom woods robert murphy uh the, the reason roundtable uh reason interview with nick gillespie um there are a ton of great shows out there folks and you know of course like i could keep going until i'm blue in the face um but you, what you could do is go to libertarianpodcast.com you can see the entire list of uh, podcasts that are out there. Uh, and, you know, hey, if, if you came to The Brian Nichols Show and you're looking to uh, add a couple of uh, shows to your repertoire, then, then please feel free um, to go ahead and not only uh, support those other pod, uh, podcasts, but also do them a favor and, and let them know that Brian Nichols sent you. So, uh, guys, with that being said, it's been an absolute blast. So, signing off for Governor Lincoln Chafee here on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.